Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Good evening and welcome to tonight's episode of the Evan with Allison show. It is Monday June 29th, a stormy Monday at that, and I am here to uh, bring you an interview that I had with CBS 58 Sports Director Kevin Holden out of Milwaukee. You know, I've talked to Kevin uh, about the sports shutdown uh, due to COVID-19, the restart to uh, the restart that Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL is having. Um, what he, how he thinks it's going to play out. Uh, talk about the Bucks' chances, the Brewers' chances, the Brewers' forty-man roster that they're inviting to uh, summer camp, as they're calling it. And talk about what does a sports director do when there's no sports? You know, due to COVID, we haven't had much. We haven't really had any sports except for replays and more recently golf and NASCAR and horse racing due to COVID nineteen. So I kind of talked to him a little bit, too, about, you know, what does a sports director do when there's no sports? And I brought him back to that March day when Ruby Go- Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. And unfortunately, shortly after that, the NHL shut down, the NBA suspended operation, Major League Baseball suspended operations, um, NCAA tournament was canceled, uh, athletics for colleges in general, uh, for the this, this spring and anything left in this uh, winter season, all canceled um, and high schools as well. So with that, I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to this interview with Kevin Holden. Um, later on, after Kevin Holden's interview, you are going to get my take on a, a professional wrestler, The Undertaker, where I kind of talk about some of his iconic moments of mine that I remember watching him growing up as a kid. And, you know, I, I been watching uh, WWE back when it was WWF all the way back in the mid eighties. And with him coming into WWE right around the end of 1989, 19, beginning of 1990. So I kind of talk about that as he is uh, for right now. And I use that term because you never know with professional wrestlers right now. He is, hung up his tights. He has given up. Uh, he's retiring from wrestling. So you're going to hear that a little later on in the episode as well. As always, the Evan with Allison show is presented to you by Flex Fitness Center in Racine, located at 2400 Rapids Drive, right across the street from Horlick High School. If you're looking for a gym and you're in southeastern Wisconsin, check them out. I highly recommend it. Great ownership. The, the people there are very supportive and friendly and helpful, great nutritional line, some nice apparel. And I know with COVID-19, you're all worried about safety. 
They take great pride in keeping the gym clean. The members, the staff, the owner, we all do all our part to keep Flex Fitness clean. When you walk in, you're given a spray bottle and a towel to wipe things down before, during, before, during, and after your workouts. Um, they clean every nook and cranny you can possibly think of uh, throughout the day and after hours. And um, they just do a great job of keeping things safe. And they're limiting it to only so many people allowed on the gym floor at the same time and strongly encourage and require you to social distance. So you're not on top of each other trying to do the, the different workouts. But like I said, check it out, 2400 Rapids Drive in Racine, right across from uh, Horlick High School in that shopping plaza there. Check it out. I strongly encourage it, and I, I guarantee you will leave there uh, liking the place. Also, this is presented by Coach Evan um, Fitness. I am a health and fitness coach, I'm not affiliated with Flex in regards to the health and fitness coach. This is uh, I do online. If you are, doesn't matter if you're in Florida, California, New York, Washington, Oregon, doesn't matter. If you are looking to have some extra help and support and coaching as you're trying to bring to yourself a healthier lifestyle, like I'm doing for myself right now with my going to Flex Gym and doing my beach body workouts at home and drinking my Shakeology, um, eating healthier, watching my portion control. Um, I want to help. If you're interested in doing those things, I want to help you. Shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with CBS 58 Sports Director Kevin Holden. And I enjoy talking to him as I always do. And like I said, hope you enjoy. Joining me now is Thank you for uh, spending a few moments with me this evening. Yeah, Evan, glad to do it, man. Glad to actually talk some sports. You know, we, we don't get a chance to talk a whole lot of sports in the year 2020, so it's nice to do that. Yeah, it is definitely a nice change of pace. Uh, I've definitely been, you know, missing it quite a bit because I'm very driven in watching and reading and writing about sports and talking about sports, and I haven't really been able to do much of it, but... It looks like we are kind of moving forward with plans to restart football. Um, I mean, basketball, the NBA, restart the uh, Major League Baseball up, or start Major League Baseball up. And, you know, now they're planning what to do in the fall with the NFL for college football. So, you know, things are starting to hopefully uh, turn into a good direction. Um, obviously, with everything going on with the uh, COVID, things can obviously change a, a drop of a hat, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the, the one thing about this is the, I, there's this guarded optimism right now. That, and it's nice because I haven't had this kind of optimism in really since March. I mean, it's been four months almost since I felt this way. Uh, I, although, as you know, at the, at the time in which we're doing this, there's, you know, in Florida, in Arizona, in Kansas, in Texas, there there's uh, some, some sort of alarming spikes. And the unfortunate thing is that's kind of the home of where some of this will be taking place. You know, the NBA is planning to do its bubble in Orlando, and uh, Florida has a couple of major league baseball teams. Arizona has the Diamondbacks. So this is uh, – it's not out of the woods yet. I, I really, really yeah. hope that uh, it doesn't span long enough that it's a huge problem. 
but I love the fact that we can actually talk about it. I love the fact that I got into my planner yesterday and wrote a schedule down. The Bucks eight game <laughs> schedule is in the planner. That makes me very happy. Oh, I thought you were talking about putting me on your schedule for today. That's what I was about getting a little giddy about. But, you know, I guess I'm second fiddle of the Bucks. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's in all caps. You're, you're putting, putting you yeah. on there. Was, yeah, that's the alarms and everything. That, that, that was huge. Yeah, so I guess the, what I want to start off with first is it seems like it's been years, but it was only in March that uh, Gobert for Utah Jazz, uh, you know, was the first player that I know of that tested positive for COVID-19, and it was like domino effect. NCAA tournament shuts down. The NCAA basketball conferences shut down their tournaments. Uh, baseball shuts down. NHL shuts down. Pretty much all sports board worldwide pretty much came to a halt for a while some have come back since soccer's picked up again nascar um and whatnot but i kind of want you to go back to that march day what was it like in the sports room uh i'm kind of picturing my head with all you you with your office and all the other people who do sports you all kind of uh, sharing this uh space area where you're talking about what's going on for uh you know, for the for the show that night or for those that week and stuff. So I, I'm probably wrong picturing that in my head. But like, what's going on in your in your room when all of a sudden the NBA suspends, baseball suspends, NCAA tournament suspends? Like, what's going on in that room? You know, there's nobody alive, and and I'm in the same boat that had dealt with uh, just this sort of uh, arresting nature of this pandemic. You know, the last time that anything of this uh, magnitude came through and affected the American sports team would have been the Spanish flu a hundred years ago. So there's no manual whatsoever on, on how to handle it. So for us, uh, when we were in, and yeah, it's not really a, an office. It is a space together in a corner of the newsroom, but uh, as this was going on, the, the speed of it was amazing. So, so I'll give you my, my personal story. My wife and I were in Arizona for spring training uh, in March and we got back uh, on the early, early morning on Monday, uh, which, is that the 9th, maybe? Is that, does that sound right? March 9th? Yeah. So, yeah, so March 9th was that, that day. And we came back, and I, I said, I've got a crazy week ahead. We're trying to get to Indianapolis. We're trying to get to the, uh, the Big Ten basketball tournament. We've got selection Sunday, six days away. You've got two teams in the tournament. The Brewers are wrapping up Training. We were making opening day plans on that Monday. Bucks versus Celtics. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That was that was a huge thing coming. So on March 9th, that was uh, it was it was this sort of vortex of activity. We had a ton of stuff going on, and literally by Thursday, Friday, something like that, the entire schedule had been wiped out. The entire thing. The, the first, of course, the conference tournament that got interrupted literally as they were happening. Uh, then the NCAA tournament got, got wiped. And at first, we decided not to travel for the NCAA tournament for safety reasons. And then, of course, it was like a day later, they said, well, there is no tournament. So that's the end of that. And, and all of a sudden, we all just the, – the entire schedule was wiped. You're going back to that planner. That planner was completely clean. And so there are three of us in the department, and we looked at each other, and we said – what in the world do we do now? Like, this is the busiest time of our year, or one of them, and, and we literally have nothing. So uh, it was 
to see everything get unplugged that fast was a was a panic, to be honest with you. And, and we, uh, by Selection Sunday, we had no idea how we'd handle things. Yeah, I know your station, especially. I know all the you know state TV, uh, television stations, and sports stations were all hit pretty hard with this. But I know for your station in particular. You know, the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, um, probably forgetting some tournaments, all on CBS. So now that's opening up a huge block of uh, – and I know you don't really have much to do with that, but that's also opening up a huge block of opening on, you know, your network too with all this being shut down and canceled and pushed back yeah. and all that. It happened – it actually it happened to, to all of the stations along our network because – so what we have in our building is CBS 58 – we also have an independent station, WMLW, which you, know, you can see over the air around the southeast Wisconsin area. They were supposed to have the high school basketball state championships, and as you remember, those were stopped before they could happen. Uh, and then Telemundo. Or before they finished. And I think the girls were going on. I think they had played one day, and then they stopped everything, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's right. And and if you think about it, to imagine being in the role of a of a uh, a programming director for that station where someone comes to you and says, "Hey, I know that you had 8 hours of programming today that was supposed to be basketball, but sorry, it's not going to happen. So you got to find something to fill it." So, thank goodness I don't have that role, but uh yeah. that was was one and then Telemundo of course does our uh, Brewers games in Spanish and they had to to fill stuff. So, all three stations were affected, and it was, I mean, it was instant. It was at the point where, you know, we, we stopped asking questions because there weren't any answers. There wasn't a way to know how this was supposed to go. We were navigating something completely new. Yeah, and and that's just, I think, people listening need to understand. that even You know, we know more now than we did back in March, three, four months ago. We know more now, but there's still so much unknown that, you know, that's why for, I think you had mentioned cautious optimism. That's where I'm at with this uh, baseball and football, I mean, baseball and uh, basketball kicking in and hockey and all that because we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone at the end of July. So what does a sports director and a sports department do when you don't have sports to cover? <laughs> this was one of the most fascinating stories of my whole career as it, as it's turned out, because that, you know, when, when everything shut down, we stopped and said, how in the world are we going to fill time in these shows? And uh, we, we said, okay, let's first go to whatever stories that we're working on that we already have, because as you know, you're, you're always working on a handful of projects, a handful of yeah. things. So we put together everything that we had and uh, we had nine days. We had enough enough stories, feature stories, you know, uh, pre-NFL draft things with Zach Bond, for example, things like that. We, with all of that in the house, we could fill nine days. And, and I looked at Scott and Christina, and I said, well, we know we can be employed for nine days, and then I guess we'll see. And uh, it was – it, there, there was no feeling like it, man. It, I'm somebody that, uh, as a sports director, I try to have some control over schedules and things that happen, and I had zero control over anything, and that was a terrifying feeling. But uh, we um, we started doing these feature pieces. We started interviewing athletes on Zoom, and we used those Zoom calls to do some feature stories. We had some pre-draft stuff. We still had some Brewers things from spring training. As time has gone on, we've in with athletes to see how they've handled quarantine, how 
stay in shape, that sort of thing. And would you believe we have filled every second of time that we would normally fill in every show for four months. And I don't know how we did that, but we have done it somehow with the hard work of, of Scott Grotsky and Christina Tuso. It's been phenomenal, and uh, we, haven't, we haven't changed a thing. We've had a sports segment. It's been from home, but we have one every night. Yeah, I might be a little, little biased here because I, you know, you know, you and I have interacted before, but I will say CBS 58 is probably, to me, the top sports uh, network in the city. So I always enjoy watching uh, CBS 58, uh, you know, when I'm trying to catch up on my, you know, what's going on in sports. So I appreciate that. Um, and it, we have a chance to sort of, uh, you know, we've been given an opportunity to continue doing that during quarantine, too, because other stations have pulled their sports people to do other jobs. So it's been really nice that, that we've been given the chance to still bring sports to the people, and we've done it. Um, so we have baseball. They finally got a plan in place in order to uh, have their season. It took a lot, of, a lot to get to the point where now they're going to play 60 games. Um, can you kind of walk me through, you know, because I know uh, the Brewers just had a press conference, I want to say, towards the end of last week. Can you kind of walk me through what that's looking like for baseball, for the Brewers and the, the, uh, the roster and safety guidelines and whatnot? Yeah, if you can imagine, uh, the baseball, to me, is, has been sort of the, the perfect example of how different life in COVID and as we're coming out of COVID, how different that life is. So today, on, uh, well, I shouldn't say today, but uh, a few days after the press conference, the Brewers released a 45-man, what they call, summer camp roster. So there's 45 players that will come to Miller Park, spring training 2.0, as they call it, uh, will start in a couple of days, and then – that this will go through the start of the regular season around July 23rd or 24th. Now, when the season begins, instead of 25 people on the roster, they'll have 30. And as the season goes on, instead of expanding rosters, it's trapped, if you believe that. And the Brewers will have a minor league system. No one will this year. So how they're handling is they'll have a, I guess you'd call it a taxi squad or a practice squad. They'll be working at Appleton, the Brewers' uh, single-A affiliate uh, stadium there in Appleton. Uh, and so you may have 30 people in Milwaukee and 30 people in Appleton. And they'll, uh, they'll basically, you know, the, the, the backups that will be ready in case anything happens to Brewers players. But the season starts with no fans. Uh, it starts with the designated hitter in the National League. It starts with a runner at second base in every extra inning. So the baseball you're about to see is a little different than the baseball we have seen our whole lives. So it, it's going to be bizarre. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. Uh, you know, it's going to be more of a uh, sprint rather than your traditional marathon. And, you know, what you, you know, 30-man roster to start – um, Craig Council, who the past couple of seasons has worked magic in August and September. Um, what do you think the team's going to look like? And is there another manager you'd rather have in this situation, uh, in this marathon, I mean, this sprint of a season, than Craig Council? No, I think, I think you are looking at 
the one thing that you can say over the last two or three years is the Brewers, with Craig Council as the manager, with David Stearns as the GM, have been the most creative team in the game when it comes to maximizing uh, what they can get out of their players. And that's why September has been so good for them, because with expanded rosters, they have more options. They can do more things. And they do. They get great mileage out of their guys. So Craig Council is perfect for a situation like this. I think uh, I was trying to sit down with the 45 roster and boil it down to 30 in my mind. And even at 30, they're going to have some tough decisions because there are a lot of uh, really good infielders, especially utility-type infielders, guys like Ronnie Rodriguez, guys like Brock Holt. Uh, these are guys that will play a lot of different positions, and uh, they can carry more of those guys. So you, you can't carry everybody. I mean, they, they're going to have to knock that down a little bit. And even if they carry 15 position players, I still don't know if a guy like Keon Broxton makes the roster. I mean, that's that's how deep this team is right now, even with 30 on the roster. So they've got creativity and they've got depth. I don't know if they've got the most talented roster in the league, but I can tell you they're going to go the farthest with what they've got. Yeah, what I'm extremely curious about, and I know he wasn't going to start the season. Um, he probably would have started the season on the DL if the season started when it was supposed to, is um, uh, Corey Knabel. They missed him uh, last year with the Tommy John surgery. And like I said, he was probably going to start in uh, – the minors or in uh, the DL that gets the season started, but that this probably definitely has to help somebody like him out or, you know, others that had injuries that are supposed to keep him out a little longer. Have you heard anything about uh, how Knable or uh, is doing, or is he one that's likely going to be on that uh, initial 30? That the, uh, the reports that we heard off the top about, about Corey were that he was going to miss maybe two months or so, of the regular season if we had played a normal 2020. Yeah. So I think the kind of looking at a, a June return. My guess is that there's a balance. I mean, he, he has had extra rest, which helps him, but he also hasn't been able to pitch or do really anything in a game situation, which hurts him. So yeah. I think if he balance those out, maybe he doesn't spend the first – week or two of the season on the active roster. They let him get in some simulated games or something to get himself going. But I think he's able to be a contributor, and, and I think he should be healthiest when it matters most in August and September. You're absolutely right, by the way. Uh, you have Josh Hader, and his value to this team is incredible. It only works if Knable is the closer, then Hayter can go wherever. He can get the three most important outs or six most important outs and another point in the game. If you have Hayter and Knable, you've got a 2018 type of bullpen in the making. Yeah, and I definitely, definitely missed that last year for sure, um, not having Knable. And unfortunately, uh, um, Outside of Knable, the bullpen, you know, really struggled to put pieces together at, at times and ended up hurting them with Washington in that, that playoff game. But what does, like, the safety piece look like? Because um, unlike basketball, they're going to be in their home, st- home cities um, for practice and then obviously the home games and then traveling to, let's say, Chicago or Kansas City or Pittsburgh or wherever. We haven't even seen the schedule yet. What is the safety procedure, safety plan, precautions looking like? Yeah, that to me is a, is a fluid thing. There's a, there's a hundred pages that 
have been agreed to by the players and the owners. So that tells you that's their starting point, 100 pages worth of information in terms of, you know, how they handle things. So the, I think the highlights, the key points that, that I know at this point, some parts of the game uh, that are normal will not be there. And, and I think the number one, the, the one that guys like to make fun of the most is they are essentially prohibiting players from spitting, which is, I mean, that's a, that's a baseball tradition that goes back to day one. So, so that has to you know, change a little bit with the transmission of the virus. Uh, you know, already we've been in an era where umpires don't get a lot of contact from guys, but now it is literally prohibited. You cannot get, you know, an umpire's face, basically, so that's an issue. I think the, the things that will be most interesting to, uh, to fans when this gets back to play is seeing team personnel and other personnel sitting up in the stands as opposed to crowded in the dugout, and that's, that's going to happen. There will be social distancing in the dugout, and there will actually be team personnel of note sitting in the stands and because there won't be fans. So that that is one thing that will be really odd to see. It'll be odd, obviously, to have no fans and no crowd noise to have that energy from. Uh, and, and then we've got some other parts, too. We have already been told as media that we will not be coming close to the players this year. And everything we do from an interaction standpoint with the players will be on a Zoom call. So uh, there, there will be no – Hey, this is me standing next to Christian Yelich talking about the season. That's that that ain't happening in 2020. So it, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a ton of other stuff to keep players safe. Uh, you know, to make sure this thing stays uh, as you know contained as humanly possible over the next few months. And that's again, if, you know, you got a couple hours, read a hundred pages because it's crazy. Yeah, I can just – I'm having a hard time, you know, no handshaking, no celebration, uh, together like hugs or whatever, no handshake, no, uh, no chewing seeds and no spitting. Those are things that baseball players do since they first start swinging a bat. Like that's going to be extremely difficult to try to break that habit. But I guess you can still argue with the umpire. You just have to social distance from him, get six feet away, and then scream and yell at him. <laughs> right? <laughs> Having a voice will help. Having a loud voice will help. <laughs> yeah. So the NBA, you know, baseball, they're not really having a bubble. They're, you know, spread out in their home cities and um, traveling. The NBA doing a little different. They are having bubble city in Orlando, which seeing the numbers in Florida spiking I, might be interesting. But Bubble City in Florida, uh, Orlando, uh, I think about three or four of the hotels down there, and then they're going to be playing uh, basically from sunwork, seems like sunrise to sun, beyond sunsets on some of the days for this eight-game uh, schedule these teams are doing. You know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that with the NBA and uh, doing it more of a Bubble City? And this potentially what we could see maybe down in the fall? It's, it is uh... – as you say, it's a completely different world from how baseball is handling their situation. And the NBA has some, some reason to do this the way they're doing it just because of the extreme amount of travel that would happen in the last month, let's say, of the, of the regular season leading into playoffs. So I like the idea. It is heavily dependent on what happens in the state of Florida with cases, and it's heavily dependent on making sure that bubble doesn't break. Because if you get cases, you're really going to have to isolate uh, you know, whoever ends up testing positive. 
But the, uh, the, to me, the more I look at this schedule, the more I look at how this all breaks down. The Bucks specifically are a team that will benefit in a huge, huge way because all, the vast majority of teams in the NBA that are going to Orlando, most of the teams that are going there, have some specific thing that's in front of them that they're trying to get geared up right now to play for, whether it's an increase in seed, whether it's getting in the playoffs, something. Every, every team has something. But the Bucks really don't have a lot. Those, the eight games that are on their schedule are essentially a playoff team. And we kind of knew that you know, going in, that with a month in the regular season, the Bucks were going to walk into that one season in the East. I think – that's a huge benefit for them because we can spend the first three weeks or so sort of feeling out how life in the bubble works, and then they can go turn it on in the playoffs without having to alter anything. So the Bucks doing as well as they did before quarantine is about to be a huge benefit for them in Orlando. Yeah, so – and I know like with – typically from playoff time, it's pretty easy to figure out who's at least going to be playing in the conference box. NBA Finals, who knows, you know, most, some years you can determine, you know, you know for sure. But to me, this, it, it, this is kind of wide open because we don't, you know, all teams have had this layoff. You know, for the Bucks, they were able to get Giannis healthy. Because I know he had that knee injury against L.A. Like, I think the Friday before everything shut down, it looked like he was going to be out for, uh, you know, by about a couple weeks. But which teams – you know, do you see being able to uh, make a deep playoff run? You know, like Houston's a team that likes to play small ball. It could benefit them as teams start to try to get adjusted to playing together again. You know, the Bucks with Giannis, who is impos- almost impossible to guard. Um, then you have teams that have you rely on uh, shooters. And you got to expect they're not going to be um, on, you know, uh, midseason form on their shots. Which teams do you see having the best adjustments to this uh, this schedule and this format that they're going for? In the, in the East, I think uh, it's interesting how the East operates because the Bucks have that huge lead on the second chapters, and then the Magic have a very sizable lead on the nine seed Wizards. So I think that essentially in the Eastern Conference, you're not going to be able to change. You're not going to have to change a whole lot, but. Uh, the teams to me that are the most dangerous in a situation like this are the teams that were more talented than they showed leading into the quarantine because sometimes rest will help to reset things. If a team is, it isn't performing up to, uh, up to snuff and then they get a few months off, they can right the ship. So the first team that comes to mind is the six who were 39 and 26 at the, uh, at, you know, when quarantine began. Six uh, seed or tied five with the Pacers. That's a team that could be dangerous. I think the seed at four could be dangerous. And then over in the West, there's this sort of clump of teams that uh, and you hit on the Rockets, which I think is one of the, the ones that could benefit the most. You're talking about a team that's 16 over. There were 40 wins and 24 losses at the break, but they were nine and a half games, uh, you know, back of the one seed Lakers. So that's a team that with rest could really do a little something. I think Denver has a chance as a pre-seed, but seven games back of the Lakers. They could, you know, that's a team that could turn something on when you get to the, uh, the, the sort of new postseason that happens. But, you know, you're absolutely right. I would 
if a couple of the – I'm not talking Lakers or Bucks, but a couple of the higher-end teams end up getting snipped in the first round just because of how bizarre the whole thing is. Like if the Clippers lost in the first round of the playoffs, I would be less surprised than I would have been in the North situation. Yeah, um, and like I mentioned, too, with Giannis, it uh, looked like he was going to be up for a little bit. Then the, uh, this happened. I'm guessing he, uh, based off his uh, TikTok – videos and uh, uh, Twitter engagements. He seems to be in uh, Back to Health. I love it. And, you know, there's a, I'm going to tell you there's a selfish reason why I like it. I've been watching Giannis, and you have and we all have, been watching Giannis have fun during this break, which he's so good at. You know, they stay really loose before games, but you're also seeing Giannis kind of have fun with his family you're seeing him sort of ride out this COVID-19 era here in Milwaukee. And that is, at least on a, on a greater level, that is still the question because, you know, if, if it worked that way, there's a chance that he could be somewhere else. But I think that small chance of him going somewhere else got less during the quarantine because Giannis very clearly has a, a, a different set of ideals than some superstar players in the league. He loves his family. He loves the town he lives in. And uh, I, I, I think no matter what, he would have stayed in Milwaukee. But to watch him have fun with the little ones and, and you know, have his fun on TikTok and that sort of thing, I, to me, this seems like a guy who's not going anywhere, and that makes me really happy because normalcy will come back, and I want Giannis here when normalcy comes back. Yeah, definitely, and I, I just, I can't wait until he puts his name on that contract that he's going to stay in Milwaukee for long term. Because if I read one more, Golden State uh, has a piece of the trade for Giannis article. One more, like last with Jason Kidd, possibly you know going to the Lakers this season, and now, now I guess he's going to the Knicks. Can Jason Kidd lure Giannis to New York? Like I, I I'm. And by which end, seeing those articles popping up, it seems like every week. And it's like, why are people so adamant or so pushing the narrative to, to Giannis out of Milwaukee? And then it's, yeah, I guess they want him in a bigger market, but the Bucks can have the superstar too, can't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing is that up until the last few years, uh, recent history tells you that the have not been, Milwaukee's not been a place for a basketball superstar to be. Giannis is breaking that rule, and I think it's kind of frying some minds around the league because you saw LeBron join the four-letter network. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different dynamic with, uh, with this group with Giannis, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled about it. it so that, that article about Jason Kidd kind of set me off. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I, uh, I said – there's a difference between 2020 and 1995 because if this if this were 1995 and someone had written, hey, you know, Doug Collins is the coach of the Pistons. You think that he can lure Jordan away from Chicago to go to the Pistons? No, he can't do that. And there's no way that Jason Kidd is luring Giannis out of Milwaukee. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I I'm just I can't wait till we sign because hopefully a lot of that goes away. I'm sure there'll still be people talking about potential trades to get Giannis to their team, but I'm just kind of tired of seeing that. Really, um, you know, we briefly talked some some football um, before we uh, let you go. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, you know, the NFL draft Packers say Jordan Love. 
what's your initial reaction there? I think uh, this is one of those uh, – the difference between being a fan and being the general manager of the Green Bay Packers is a wide, wide, wide difference. And it, the reason why is the GM has to be thinking in some years about other, other aspects of it. Just like they did in 2005 when they took Rodgers in the first round when Brett Favre was still at that time healthy but, you know, getting a little bit older. <clears throat> Rodgers is – so you don't want to think of Rodgers as older because he still has those skills, but Rodgers was older when the Packers took Jordan Love than Favre was when the Packers took Rodgers. So there had to be a draft. There had to be a moment where the GM and the Packers said, this is, we got to take a quarterback here, and then we're going to develop him for a few years, and that's going to be that. And, and it's, So it was a mild shock, but also not a complete shock because – this was the year. Maybe the, the players that they didn't like, the players that they liked didn't fall to them, and so they thought, well, okay, this is the time that we decide on the future of the franchise. It's, it's crapshoot, and that's the thing that Wisconsin has been in this bubble for a quarter of a century. There are tons of first-round busts at quarterback at every franchise in football, and the Packers have literally just smoothly gone from you know, all-time great Favre to all-time great Rodgers. I don't know if it's going to go to all-time great Jordan Love. I like him, and I think having a few years under Rodgers puts him in the best possible position to, to be the next legend. But, man, you never know. I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's no guarantee that he turns into a legend in a few years. Yeah, it was a little taken aback a little bit when they first took the pick, but – you know, I didn't necessarily like the pick, but I understand it for kind of what you're saying. And then I think it was uh, Lewis Riddick had uh, commented shortly after they took Love. If there's a quarter, if you if your quarterback's there and you know that's your guy, you take it because you don't want to be in the situation of uh, you know, let's, let's say the Bears. They're still desperately looking for a quarterback for basically uh, um, Nick Foles, which they could have had. Uh, Cam Newton, who just signed in New England for a heck of a lot cheaper than Nick Foles, but either way, keep keep reaching every year, every uh, uh, year to year, trying to find this franchise quarterback, and then you get stuck in this purgatory, and the Packers don't want to be in that situation. They took Jordan Law because they think that's the guy, right, pretty much? Yeah, it, it is. The Packers have the, – the thing that they've done well, and, I mean, you can criticize Ted Thompson for the picks that he made at the end of his tenure, but what the Packers have done well is they have built the core of the franchise around really shrewd draft picks, and they've been doing it for a long time. When it was, when it was Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and Clay Matthews and these guys all went from high draft East superstar players, that was that system at absolute finest. But the Packers worked at their best when that player, when those star players are from within and not signed as free agents. The free agents for the Packers, when they're the piece that puts them over the Charles Woodson, that's that franchise working at its best. And you have to bring in those superstars to begin with. And, and so it's, you know, I understand that it's you know, Brian Gutekind's world now, but he had to do what Ted Thompson had to do forever ago, and that's make the decision to, to go quarterback. So it's, it's uh, as you say, there's some, there's some surprise to it, but it's, uh, it's an understandable thing, and, and it's led to a quarter century or more now of almost yearly success for this franchise. It's been an amazing era, and that's at the heart of it.
Yeah. Now, final football, final I guess final thing to ask uh, ask your opinion on um, Patriots. They wait till yesterday and they signed Cam Newton, who I was still surprised was still available this late, which I guess the Panthers didn't really do him any favors by waiting so long to release him. But anyways, they signed Cam Newton to a one-year, I believe, $8 million contract. And now no guarantee that he wins a starting job, but I think it's pretty much a certain he's better than who the Patriots have already. Does Belichick turn him into a gem or – I guess it's the best that Cam Newton behind them, or is it somewhere in between? <laughs> Man, I, you, you have to wonder how it is that the, that the Patriots can be charmed in this way, that they can basically wait throughout an entire offseason and just happen to have it happen right now so that Cam Newton would be sitting out there as we approach July. That's, it's pretty incredible. Cam Newton's a, a good, at the very least, a good quarterback to add to your team. At the very least, he's an extreme upgrade over what the Patriots had a quarterback before. And uh, I thought it was interesting because the first knock on Newton uh, when he first signed was, well, he's not going to have a good receiving quarter to work with. And then, you know, somebody tweeted back and said, you know, Newton, when he was an MVP with the Panthers, had Tedden Jr., Devin Funches, Corey Brown, uh, a, a pack Prime Jericho Cotchery. I mean, those weren't exactly household names. Funches is an intriguing guy, but you know, he he was an MVP with those guys in in Carolina. I don't think MVP has form, but I think he fits that role perfectly for a Belichick team, which is he's going to do what he's got to do to help them win games, and and Belichick can be creative and, and take care of the rest of it. I think they got a ton better with that pick next year. Yeah, and I, I'm like I said, I'm surprised the Patriots took so long to sign him because it made too much sense for the longest time looking at their quarterback room. But, you know, I want to say thank you for uh, spending some time with me tonight. Uh, it's been fun talking uh, talking sports and uh, uh, whatnot with you. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share before we let you go? I, I think uh, sports fans, uh, if, you, if you could do me this one favor – Root for a region, and what I mean by that is don't just root for Wisconsin to be, you know, good on the COVID standpoint. You want everybody in the nation to be good, but specifically right now, what Wisconsin needs for sports to be good is for Ohio and Pennsylvania and Illinois and Minnesota to also be good on the COVID case. It will help your baseball season, and it will help your football season. So it is time to, uh, in at least the COVID game, it is time to root regionally. Yeah, so, again, I want to say thank you for uh, uh, joining me here tonight. I uh, pre- you know, had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. It's been a while. I think it's been a couple of years since I uh, talked to you last and recorded a, recorded a podcast with you. So, uh, once again, I want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you, Evan. Man, it was great to talk sports with you. And, uh, yeah, I missed the times when uh, we were down there with Bill Michaels uh, hanging out and having a good time. Hopefully that will happen again soon. But thanks for having me on it. It is, it is really nice to – to, you know, do the thing that my job is and talk about sports. Yeah, it's definitely nice. So, yeah, with that, just uh, enjoy the, the rest of your night. You too. Much appreciated. And that was CBS 58 Sports Director Kevin Holden. A uh, big thank you to him for coming on and spending some time with me here today uh, talking about sports and the NBA relaunch and baseball start and uh, just – what it was like running a sports department with no sports to talk about. So very, 
very informative. I hope you all enjoyed the interview. Um, you know, I mentioned early on about uh, talking a little bit about uh, Undertaker memories or whatever. But, you know, that's actually going to be premise to my next episode. Um, I'm going to talk um, Undertaker. going to give my, uh, my thoughts, my opinion on some of his greatest moments, things like the, the Hell in a Cell against Mick Foley, um, fighting, defeating Edge at WrestleMania for the WWE title, um, his return as the American Badass at um, Judgment Day, um, his take team with Kane, numerous take teams, uh, Yokozuna casket match at Royal Rumble. Like, there's a lot that you can talk about with The Undertaker, and he's just been one of my favorites. So if you're listening to this, um, you made it this far. I want you, What I want you to do, if you're a WWE fan, I want you to tweet at me at... Evan Witt Sports, that's E-V-A-N-W-I-T, and then sports. Shoot me a tweet or shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com, and let me know your favorite Undertaker moments. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on my next episode talking about that, um, as well as any you know other things going on. So, again, thank you to Kevin Holden for coming on and spending some time with me here today uh, talking sports. And... One last uh, thank you to Flex Fitness Center of Racine, uh, located right across the street from Horlick High School. Check them out. Uh, sign up for a membership and give it a try and see what you think. A great, great gym with uh, great people that all are supportive of you, trying to help you reach whatever your goals are in lifting. Uh, great ownership, great employees, and uh, they make sure that it is safe for you to be there with this era of uh, COVID-19. Like I said, you get a spray bottle when you come in, a towel, you wipe down before, during, and after you get done with the, the equipment, and they do a great job, attention to detail, keeping the gym clean, uh, scrubbing, cleaning, any nook and cranny you can possibly imagine. So with that said, thank you all for listening, and I will get back at you all later on. Have a good rest of your day, um, evening, morning, whenever you are listening to this. Thank you, everybody.